You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see it open your Bible at Isaiah chapter 61. Relationship, restoration, reconciliation. I sat in my prayer study on a couch staring into a camera, hoping there was someone on the other side, believing there's somebody listening. I know you were there. Was you all communicating on social media? But I can tell you this it has nothing compared to standing here tonight. Because we're not called to speak to a camera. I want to minister heart to heart, spirit to spirit. And for those that may be new to this and, uh, When Janine and I first planted the church in 1994, all our family was still in Johannesburg. We didn't have family down here. Pastor, uh, well, we did have Pastor Danny and Olga Kamaiko Green. They they are family. But I mean, you know, the normal New Year, big family gathering. You know Janine, she loves big family gatherings. And so... We're thinking, what are we going to do for New Year's Eve? We're so used to getting together with family. We said, well, this is now our family, the, the church that's there. I said, if anybody else, we just, it was just something that was in our heart. We're going to have a, a, a braai. We're going to get together on a school field. And uh, whoever doesn't have family, you can come have braai with us. We'll have, we'll have a New Year's Eve together. So if you don't have a normal family gathering, come and have a family gathering. So everybody came and we had a Brian, we were just sitting around the fire late in the night, you know, seeing the new year in. And somebody happened to say, Pastor Alan, what, what is the year saying? What's the Lord saying about next year? And I wasn't expecting anything. I was just, well, praise God. You know, we had to do what the Lord said. And I just shared the vision. As I was speaking, a prophetic unction came on me. And I just started prophesying that I had never experienced before. But I knew this was fresh from the Lord, and I just put it out there. I just decreed it, and thank God for that, because you can't take credit for that. How many of you ever had a thought you know wasn't your thought? <laughs> you can't take credit for that. I don't even speak like that, you know. And so there it is. And sure enough, that next year, word for word, it came through and it came to pass. And so the next year, we were then in a, another building, and, you know, what are we going to do? Well, let's get together. Let's, you know, have a bri again. And sure enough, same thing happened, another word. And eventually it became, well, now let's just, everybody's going to come now. And it became the most popular service of the year. Every single year, I've trusted God, and every year He has spoken. And uh, without curfew, we, and without the the the, the gathering restrictions. This is for those that may have got saved just in the last year or two and joined up with us. This building's packed out corner to corner, chairs, tops, the stairs are full of people, aisles. It's, it's the most popular service. Why? Because we've learned if we're going to do anything, it's going to be in the presence of God. 
We're going to want to go into the new year in the glory of God. And I know you know that. That's why you're here. But I've always trusted God and said, Lord, what is it? Because I don't want to head off into the distance. And God himself said that if he does anything in the earth, will I not first tell my servant? And I don't just want to head into another year with blinders on. I want to know if God's doing something, what is it? Because I'm going to be on the front line of what he's doing. Have you say amen to that? And as I've been meditating on the new year, and you know, if you've been with us long enough, uh, you, you, you know, if a sponge is filling up with water and then you bump into the sponge, you get wet. And so my message, the new year's message starts to splash out in some of my other messages. And so uh, then you get messages like Pastor Gary was sharing in the offering message and people posting online. And of course, we're all hearing the same Holy Spirit. And so you may hear certain things and certain things are said, but they're said in just different ways. Well, that's because there's different expressions in the body of Christ. Even amongst the fivefold ministry of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, you will notice that those five different gifts speak in a different way. It doesn't mean it's a different message. It's just a different way of expressing it. Never be intimidated by one or the other. Don't think one is missing it and the other is not missing it because... Uh, you know, if you think just an evangelist, he's thinking about the lost. Get out, get them saved, get them in the church, build the church by getting people saved. Well, the pastor has an evangelistic outreach as well. After every message, there's an altar call, but the whole concept is around gathering and feeding the sheep, making sure sheep are safe and protected, make sure they, they, they looked after and can grow and expand. And so you'll find that there's different expressions. Well, the same way. As the word comes out, a prophet will speak it from the unction from within who he is and the particular grace that God's called him for. But know this, that when God speaks, he's saying it for a reason. Because prophecy is not fortune telling. It's not future telling. It's not saying this will happen. And then, you know, when it doesn't happen, like in the old covenant, you could always test the prophet that he would say something. And then if it didn't happen, then they would stone him. But your New Testament prophet is not operating under the same unction. The New Testament prophet is one that is called to equip believers for the work. It's speaking under the unction. The, 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 the Holy Spirit is the one that will tell us things to come. Every believer has the Holy Spirit in them to tell them things to come. The Holy Spirit is the one giving the unction for it. Scripture is given for instruction, reproof, and correction. So what does God use the prophetic gift for today? It's saying that God desires for something to happen, but for it to happen, it must be decreed. And so the prophet puts into the mouth of the believer what God has already ordained to be so that the believer can believe it, and speak it so that God, by the construction of His government, says, as you have spoken in my ears, so I will do. It's not us telling God what to do. It's Him saying, for me to do it in the earth, I need it spoken out of my church. But let the church speak it. God steps in and He says, now I have legal right to bring to pass what I've already ordained. And so I want you listening with that aspect. That it's not just saying, well, let's put our feet up and let's see if Pastor Allen was right. 
That's not what it's about. It's saying, what is my part in this? What is God saying, and how does that translate into me going out to fetch it? Someone may say, for example, I didn't see restoration. Well, how did you pursue it? Uh, my relationships are worse today than they were before. I thought God said this was a year of relationship. But what did you do to pursue that? What, what, did you hear from the Holy Spirit? What's the next thing to do? How are you going to reconcile that relationship? There's something that you may need to lay down. There's something you may need to forgive. There's something where you're going to have to put your pride away and say, this is not just about me and how people think about me and what he's saying about me and what she's saying about me. is me saying, I'm more interested in reconciliation than me being right. And I make the decision to receive what God has said. Then I see it manifesting. And so if I look at the three R's that we spoke about last year, how many of you could say that you saw at least an aspect of that happen in your life, if not all three powerfully happening? Let me just see your hand. Wave it around a bit. Look at that. All over. And so we're coming with that same expectation tonight. We're trusting God for that. In Isaiah chapter 61, this has been so on my heart. You've heard me preach from it before, but it was growing in me more and more and more. I've just been, as we've been leading up to this year, uh, up to this uh, tonight, I've just been having this stirring in my heart the whole time. Kingdom manifestation. Kingdom manifestation. Kingdom manifestation. I said, Lord, what is that? Uh, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And, uh, and, and, and if you've been with me, some Sundays you'll have heard me say that I find that a lot of people don't really understand what seek the kingdom means. What does it mean to seek the kingdom? Because if you seek the kingdom, you're going to see kingdom results. That's what Jesus said. All these things will be added. Things added means you don't have to go fetch them. And, and too many people are trying to fetch this and fetch that. And, and what happens in doing the fetching, we create ourselves Ishmael's. Because God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. Well, I, mean, I can't have my wife can't have a baby. Let me try her servant. Because we want to go fetch. But when you're seeking the kingdom of God, you are surprised. Surprises happen. You go, I've had things happen to me. Say, God, did I sow for that? I don't even remember sowing for that. And God reminded me, nothing happens without seed. Any manifestation had to have a seed. So I did sow for it, but I wasn't expecting that because we have an expectation. We sow our seed. I think that's what I would like God to do. And then he brings something through and you go, what? And I'm surprised by that. Why? Because I'm seeking the kingdom of God. I'm making the kingdom my priority. What happens? Things are added. They just arrive. Say they just arrive. And so this whole concept of kingdom manifestation, so... Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable 
year of the Lord. Comma. And yet that's where Jesus closed the book. Halfway through a verse. And he closes the book. I've made it a practice that when I read from the Word, I always want to read the whole verse, even if I'm just using the first two words in it. Because I always like context. And I, often that's the only time some people only read their Bible is on church on Sunday. So let me read the whole verse so they get some reading for the week. But yeah, Jesus gets halfway through a verse and he closes the book. And he says, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. But you notice Isaiah wasn't done. Jesus birthed something. And you know God is the author of the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. Don't despise small beginnings, for great shall be its end. God always seed produces harvest. The seed for food. You can't eat seed. Today we do eat seeds and certain seeds, but this is not really a lot of nourishment. You need more, you know, if you just ate seeds, you know, you're not a bird. It's going to need more food. But seed produces food. When he gave Adam, he said he gave him seed for food. He didn't just give him food. He gave him the seed to always produce what he needs. And so if God, Jesus says something and he speaks this, it means this is the seed. What's the result? What is it going to produce? Seek me, you will find me. Knock and I will open. Call on me, I will answer. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's not mock whatever a man sows, he will reap. What is the opening statement producing? Jesus is the Word. Out of his own mouth, he says, the sower sows the Word. The Word of God is seed. Jesus, as the Word, is seed. The Word calls Him the first fruit. First fruit means there's much more fruit. He's no longer the only begotten. He's the first begotten. So as the seed, He reads this first part of Isaiah which now becomes the seed unction of his ministry while he's in the earth. He's declaring the Spirit of the Lord's upon him. He's just come out of the wilderness. Holy Spirit's come upon him. And the purpose is for what he's just read. And he says it's begun. It has begun. This part of the scripture, this part, these first few verses have now today been fulfilled. But that means there's a flow. We're now moving into 
The rest of the declaration, and it's confirmed by the wording that Isaiah uses. You'll pick it up as you read through. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, verse 2, and the day of vengeance of our God. Now remember, we've already spoken, vengeance is not revenge. Revenge is a flesh reaction to being hurt. I've got to get the person back. God's not revengeful. Vengeance is making sure that justice is carried out. And justice isn't always meeting out punishment. By decreeing somebody not guilty and freeing them is also justice. So those who deserve, who have the right to be free, are set free. But anything or anyone, when I say anything, I'm talking about the demonic realm. The word says we don't wrestle flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. And it's talking about the demonic realm. Our warfare is not people, it's demons. But if anybody wants to work with a demon, they fall on the other side of the blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. That's why you don't want to be caught getting in way of what Jesus is doing. Saul tried that. He was trying to persecute Christians, getting them executed. He was at Stephen's execution, holding his clothes, and, and was carrying letters of arrest and that. And Jesus got a hold of him. And said, it's hard to kick against the goats. You're not persecuting people. You're persecuting me. Jesus takes it very personally when you come against this church. And if you don't want to get out the way, he will stop that person. And he stopped Saul in his tracks. But Saul was wise enough to say, Lord. <laughs> right there in the road. There. I mean, bam, he has this encounter. And he says, yes, Lord. Right there, the very person he's trying to persecute, he recognizes, okay, I get it now. I'm going to call him Lord. And God takes him and transforms him, and he becomes the greatest voice of the church. And you and I still study his works today. Praise God. Praise God. God can take the worst enemy and turn them in a hot. But here's the thing. If God's decreed something for your life, nothing, no one, nobody, anything can get in your way. I just can't move ahead because of my boss. That boss better step out the way because if that doesn't happen, God will make sure you get his job or get promoted beyond. Now, he could have blessed you and gone on with you. The point I'm making, you want to get, you want to be in the flow of God's favor, find those who are being favored by God, those who are blessed, and get in on their boat and be in the blessing boat and be part of the blessing instead of being the problem. Be the blessing and let God's blessing grow and multiply in your life. I tell you, family, if we can just get past envy and jealousy and uh, every time we hear someone else is blessed and say, oh, where's mine though? 
What do you mean, where's mine? Have you sown seed for it? Yes, your harvest's on the way. Don't block it now by being jealous their harvest has come through. Celebrate every harvest. Why do I celebrate every harvest? Because I'm a harvest person. I'm seed, harvest, seed, harvest. And if seed and harvest work there, hey, God, you're not a respecter of persons. I'm ready. I'm waiting. Because the moment I say, where's mine? We're putting it on God. Oh, you missed that one. The moment we say, how come, where's mine? We're telling God he's taking his time. That means he doesn't understand timing. He doesn't understand. I'm not going to accuse him of that. God knows exactly when it needs to be mine. And if he wants it in my hands today, no one can stop it. No one can stop it. You can walk out of a prison and the doors will bust off its hinges when it's time for you to come out. (laughs) I tell you, I'm preaching better than some amens here tonight. Maybe I just know where I'm going. You're wondering when we're going to get there. Everybody say vengeance. Now here's what happens in this acceptable year of the Lord. Now you know with God a day is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. When he says the acceptable year of the Lord, we are in that year, the day Jesus died. This year has begun and hasn't ended. This is an eternal year. In the, in the scheme of Israel, it was every 50 years. No, Jesus banged the 50 out and he's made sure that it's now, you call on it whenever you want it. You don't have to wait for day 50 to get 50's harvest. Oh, that's a word for someone tonight. You don't have to wait for next year to get next year's promotion. You can pull your emotion, promotion to today. You don't need, doctor says, this is going to take a long time. It's going to take about six months to heal. You say, ah, 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 I've got things to do. I need my healing now. And you can wake up tomorrow ready and the doctors will be amazed. How did that happen? Like they told us, well, these things happen. Yes, when you call them. Amen. So, your acceptable year. You don't have to wait for 50 years for jubilee, for restoration, for payback. You call it today. So, this acceptable year, say that's right now. The day of vengeance, say that's today. Is there to comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. Now, Zion is symbolic of the church. And I'll show you why in this. You'll see it right here. But I'm saying it ahead of time so that you're prepared. Whenever you see Zion, that is the type of the church. Say, Zion is a type of the church. Okay? So now, to comfort all who mourn. Family of God, Jesus bore not only your sin, Not only sickness and disease, but he also bore your grief. Grief. Grief is for those who don't know what's happening. Don't know the future. If somebody is taken to heaven or they leave for heaven, I'm not going to say taken because God doesn't take people. When someone 
is promoted to heaven. We don't grieve. Grieve means they're gone, they're lost. I'll never see them again, never speak to them again. Now, how many of you had loved ones that either immigrated, moved overseas, moved to another town, whatever? Some people have had that happen. When you're at the airport and you're saying goodbye, you cry. Oh, you're going and I'm not going to see you. But you're not grieving. You, you know they're in another country. And the time will come when either you go visit there or they'll come visit you. And some people just don't ever see themselves, each other ever again. But you don't grieve over that because you're okay. They're just in another country. So when somebody left this earth, they just immigrated. They're not dead. That's why when people at the funeral, he was such a nice guy and he was so nice. He wasn't was, he is. Still is the same guy. It's just in another country. Okay, so you can't pick the phone up and talk to him. But I know one day we will also move there and we will see them again. So can you see there's no grief? grief God doesn't want grief holding you back. So what's he doing? He brings comfort. And Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be your comforter. Your comforter. Everybody say comforter. And so family, the days of grieving are over. I said the days of grieving are over. And I know sometimes people say, yeah, it's easy for Jews to speak. It's easier to say, no, I've been through it and I know what it's like and I have the same experiences, but I've also learned how to draw into the presence of God. It's in His presence that we receive comfort. Say this, thank you, Holy Spirit. You are my comforter. So He gives beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. Now listen to this. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The garment of? Notice he doesn't say a holiday for the spirit of heaviness. Some of you think if I just get a holiday, then everything will be okay. No, a holiday is not going to solve a spiritual problem. I'm so depressed. Give me another tablet. Tablet doesn't solve a spiritual problem. Medicine is there to help us get over a hurdle so our faith can catch up. But if we got the faith, then we won't need the medicine. Say amen. So the garment of praise deals with the spirit of heaviness. If I'm feeling heavy, tired, worn out, struggling, battling, I'm going to go on another day. Time to get in that praise. And I'm not talking about sitting there just crying through music. I'm talking about standing up and, and starting to praise God. Dance and throw the hands up and praise God, even if it's in your room, even if you look stupid. Do it. Just praise God and bust out of that spirit, out of that demonic hold of heaviness. Everybody shout, praise. Then they shall be called what? Trees of? Trees of? Trees of? Now you know God is not interested in the righteousness of a man. 
It says, your righteousness is as filthy rags. When he talks about trees of righteousness, the only people that can be righteous are born again children of God. When Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God. And so if he's saying trees of righteousness, this is a prophetic word, not talking about Israel. It's talking about the church. Shout hallelujah. Now you will see this wording all the way through, confirming that this is now the church now. Everybody say now. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Now listen, they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. Who? 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 The church. Who's that? They shall repair the ruined cities. Not the government. We think the government should be fixing the roads and the fences and... Ah, the government is to govern. The repairing is the church's job. I'll come preach to this drum set over here. Maybe it'll celebrate. I said the church needs to be repairing. Now, I know some people say, I don't know what the hell he's supposed to do. You see, we think in our small mentality, in my little bank account, the government's got all the tax money and all the billions of rands that have gone missing. Listen, the government can't look after billions of rands. It doesn't belong in their hands. It belongs in our hands. And we don't need to take it from the taxes. We'll pay them the taxes because Jesus said, pay Caesar what Caesar. Yeah, take, take. It's yours, Caesar. God says it's yours. But the church is going to use the other balance of the billions and we're going to get the job done that the government has not been able to do. Now, if the government wants to do it, come work with us as the church. We'll get the job done, but we'll get the job done. Can I get a bigger amen? Now, I know this is a big message for someone who's never heard it before. Because we used to the church, I just want to come to church, sing my four songs, happy, clappy, do, give an offertory, and then say, God bless you, and we go home, and then get back to my other work, and blah, 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 blah. That's not what God intended the church to be. It's not a Sunday club. They shall repair the ruined cities. That's the, this is... The, that's not, you know, talking about heaven or something. This is not some, this is, to, what's a city? It's where you live. How many you think the cities have been ruined? Ah, oh, there's government, blah, blah, blah. No, we need to get in there and repair it. I'm only speaking to those who are willing to be part of what God's doing. Can I, can I hear who you are? 
The desolations of many generations. The desolation of many generations. The desolation. Family of God, many, many people have started from an unfair advantage on the back foot, on the bottom of the barrel. And it's only because generation after generation after generation was oppressed. But the church is rising up and being who they should be. And we will not accept oppression of any sort, any form of racism any form of ism that would try and stop what's supposed to happen. I don't care what happened to dad or granddad or great granddad. It's time to put that aside and let the axe be put to the root and as a born again child of God is stand up for what is rightfully ours and say, I don't care what happened to the past. We are here to change it from here on out. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. The sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. Didn't God say he's given the work to the wicked? We're not supposed to be striving and stressing and sweating, toiling. Work was never meant to be toil. It doesn't mean you stop working. Working is where you manifest your gift. You don't work for a salary. You work to manifest your gift. You manifest your gift. God will supply your need. Don't get me down there. That's another message. Look out 2022. We've got a lot to preach out of this. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. <laughs> now, you know that under the old covenant, only the tribe of Levi had the priests. Now he's declaring to Zion, you shall be named priests. That would have been strange for a Jewish person to hear. But doesn't the word say in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5, that from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn, everybody say firstborn, it's no longer the only begotten, He's the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Let me see how many of you washed from your sin. Right? Verse 6. And he made us. Say, this is me. Are you us? Read it. Say, and he made us. Now bump your name and say, look at that. I'm in the Bible. He made us what? Kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So the church has been made kings and priests, right? Come back to Isaiah. So now we see here, it's talking about the church. You shall be named priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. In their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Everybody say double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Don't I pray at every message that understanding will replace confusion? See, it's based, yeah. The church 
has been held back because of confusion. My people are destroyed for a lack of. You bring some stuff up and people look and they, and they get nervous and worried that that's some kind of new age cultish thing, whatever. No, if it's written in the word, I want it. And you say amen to that. So if it's in the word, I want it. And the only way we can do that, the only way we remove confusion is by teaching things, even if it's a little uncomfortable to hear the first time. But I've been commissioned to teach the things of God, to teach my people to prosper. And I know not everybody gets it and that they will want to persecute and, and say and call names. I don't let that stop me. Don't let it stop you. I was speaking to somebody a while back, and they said, oh, they, the son, so they were talking to son, so, and they say they don't like you. I said, have they ever met me? No. Then how can you say you don't like me? Because to know me is to love me. I'm not saying that arrogantly. I'm, I'm saying I'm, the love of God is in my heart. And if the love of God is in your heart, we've got something to talk about. We don't have to agree on everything. I get that. We don't have to agree on everything. But we do agree Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead and He's alive today. The Bible says whoever calls the name of the Lord is saved. And if we are called, whoever is, calls the name of Jesus is the one who's blessed. You, you believe in Jesus? We're family. You getting this? So here's the thing. I don't let what people think or say stop me saying what needs to be said. Because what needs to be said needs to be heard. Because I am done with just trying to get people to pass a Bible college exam. What good is a Bible college certificate on the wall? Now, you know I will fully support that because I believe in studying to show yourself approved. And I got my own certificates to prove it. But if it's just for a certificate on a wall, what was the point of it? It's not to get yourself a name and to write some letters behind your name on a, on a, on a, on a, on a letterhead. No, it's so that when we walk out that door, you and I are thoroughly equipped to be able to get into our workplaces, into the city, into the places of influence, places of leadership, and let's change this nation to the glory of God. And I'm not just talking about planting multiple churches so people got somewhere to go on a Sunday. No, it is an equipping environment so that we are the church Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday we fill up again to do it again. We're going to see our cities transformed, family. We need to see this practically walked out. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everybody say, I'm ready for some double. Listen to this. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. That only comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit within you. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth. I will make with them an everlasting covenant. That's what Jesus was decreeing in the cup. This is the cup of the new covenant. 
Now, family God, God has made many covenants right from the beginning. He made covenant with Adam. He made covenant with Noah. He made covenant with Moses, uh, with Abraham. He made covenant with Moses. He's made covenant all the way through. Now, Jesus has called the cup of the new covenants, going right back to that very first blessing when God created man in his image and said, Now be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and take dominion. That word has not changed. And this new covenant is an everlasting covenant. There will never be another one. You've had Adamic, you had the Noah, you had the Abram. There's not going to be a new one. It is. There's not going to be another one. The new covenant is still new. It's still current, and it will carry us for eternity. Even when this earth is done and dusted, passed away, and a new heaven and earth has come, that same covenant is sustaining us for the rest of eternity. Their descendants, verse 9 shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. And who all who see them shall acknowledge them. All who see them shall acknowledge them. Family, I am decreeing that we are in the days when the church will no longer be ignored. You cannot just sweep us into a corner. You can't just sweep us into our homes and think that will keep them quiet. No, the church is not some fringe of society, some little quiet, weird people down the road in that funny little building doing their own little thing. No, the church will be known and you cannot ignore us anymore. We are not here to take sides. We are here to take over. Now what shall they acknowledge? That they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. What does posterity mean? It talks about future generations. Future generations. Should the Lord tarry and you and I leave by the grave, our generations will be living off the inheritance that we establish. We will leave an inheritance to our children's children. And I'm not talking about the fridge and the broken TV. I'm talking about an inheritance where we can do what is written in this word. Restoring cities. I'm not talking about painting the house fixing the fence around your building. I'm talking about a whole city being restored. That means building houses, cleaning the hospitals, establishing clean neighborhoods, good schools with thorough, clean, Christian-based education. This day of Christian schools hidden in the back corner of a church. No, 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 no. Not a little school, you know, Bible college, classroom type school. No, I'm talking about whole schools with rugby fields, netball fields, swimming pools. 
500 children all serving Jesus. Verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. This is the church. He's clothed me with garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments. Family, that's Jesus. The church is the bride of Jesus Christ. As a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to bring forth. Didn't Jesus say the whole kingdom of God works this way? A man sows a seed. He goes to sleep. He does not know how. But when he rises, the earth itself gives forth the harvest. God's designed the system. When you sow a seed, you don't have to wait for God to find time to come and make your seed grow. God, please make my seed grow. No, He's designed the system. He's already ignited it. It's already been put into action. The only reason someone doesn't have a harvest is they haven't yet put the seed in. The reason a person doesn't have a harvest isn't because God's holding it back and God doesn't think they deserve it or God wants them to learn a lesson or God does something. It's got nothing to do with God. God's already put the process into place. All you have to do is get a seed in the ground. And if you get the seed in the ground, the system's designed to bring a harvest. Unsafe people use this. Family of God, you getting this? What do you want this year? What do you want out of the year? Stop begging God. The earth is designed to bring it forth. As the garden causes the things that are sown in to bring forth, so, Jesus, the Lord God will cause, the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. I looked up that word because if he's going to cause righteousness to spring forth, and I've been made the righteousness of God, how's what, what's, what's righteousness spring forth mean? I want to know. That's, that's just me. If, 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 if there's a verse like that, I made the righteousness of God, and now it says righteousness will spring forth. I want to know what that looks like. So I looked up the word righteousness here. Because, you know, there's different words for different. I don't know if it's the same word all the way through. I didn't bother checking that up. I just looked up the Hebrew word yeah. And you know what the word righteousness yeah means? It means the justification of a king. The justification of a king. Jesus is the King of kings. Remember he said he hates 
robbery. He hates unjustness. And a king, this is why the enemy has worked so hard to produce corrupt governments because we learn to distrust the king. The king wants to take everything from us. No, the true meaning of a king, of a kingdom, is that he oversees. The successful king are successful citizens. They people, the successful king is when knights will lay their life down to defend the king. You don't lay your life down for someone unless you love them. You love the king. Why? Because he looks after us. He looks after my family. I will go to war because I know even if I die, he'll sustain my family. I support the king. I love the king. I uphold the king. And a good king knows this, that if he wants his citizens to love him, he makes sure everyone has land. Everyone has food. Everyone has protection. My knights will fight for you to keep the city safe. The justification of a king. God will cause that knowledge to spring out of you. You're going to be demonstrating God is a king who loves his people. And that word praise is the word tahilah. Tahilah. Now the root of tahilah is halal. We've already studied that. I don't have time to go into it. Halal is exuberant, boisterous, foolish, clamoring, over the top, noise, crazy praise. Tahila is halal, but it's praise that's demanded by the deeds and qualities of God. Praise that's demanded because of the deeds and qualities of God. What's that saying? When you see God in action, you can't help but praise and God's going to cause Tehillah. How does he cause Tehillah? He says, watch this. And he bees God. And when he bees God, everyone goes, whoa. And they see, how, how's God be God? Through you. Through you. How does he show himself off? Through you. And people are going to look at it and they're going to Tehillah. They're going to praise because God has shown himself just as your God and King. Now, family of God, I'm going to wrap this up in nine minutes. Look at Psalm 102. 102. That's when you do 102 and verse 13 is one word. 110. Okay. 102 verse 13. Psalm 102 verse 13 from the NIV. You will arise and have compassion on Zion. Who's that? For it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come. Everybody say the appointed time has come. So what's the appointed time? Well, when Jesus started reading Isaiah... He got down here to verse 2 and he said, Today the scriptures fulfilled in your hearing. But that was his ministry being established. But then he went into the earth and he demonstrated the kingdom. He showed how to work the system. If you need something, you sow a seed. You speak a word. And if you do it, you will see it provided. If you see sickness and disease, lay hands, it'll be recovered. If you see a blind eye, open it. If you see deaf ear, 
open it. If you see lame, tell them to walk. If you have a lack, pray, bless it, it'll multiply. He's demonstrating the kingdom. You can silence a storm. How did you do that? A tree, listen to you. He says, if you have faith, have faith. Not if you have faith. He said, have faith. Have faith. And you speak to a mountain. He's demonstrating the kingdom. And then he goes to the cross. And he dies on the cross. And wrath is poured out on him. And he is judged for all sin. Sickness and disease and every part of the curse is laid on him. And as he dies, he says in, one, in John chapter 19 verse 28, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saying, I thirst. A vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, filled a sponge with sour wine, but put it on hyssop and put it in his mouth. And so when Jesus had finished the sour wine, he said, It is finished. Bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It is Finished. Tetelestai. Paid in full. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Isaiah 61. You are ordained to be now. The appointed time is not 2022. It was on the cross. Jesus said, for this purpose, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. I have come to destroy the work of Satan. I have come that you may have life and have that life more abundantly. And he said, it is finished. It's taken two thousand years for the church to come to revelation this is not just about getting to heaven it's taking everything and manifesting the kingdom in the earth today two thousand years of seed sowing plowing reaping we are now in the place where we can see this happening I was praying, I heard that over and over, kingdom manifestation, kingdom manifestation. I said, Lord, as I'm praying, what of 2022? And I heard this in my spirit. Great recovery. Great recovery. I, oh, I, I, I reacted much more than you did. A great recovery. 
I tell you, family, the devil has had two years where he's tried to sucker punch the church, try to take you out, try to take you down. And now, yes, he may have stolen you and maybe hurt over there. And yes, he managed to destroy that. But I know a God who will not be painted into a corner. He will never be allowed. That king will not allow his name to be ignored or to be put down. He will be, never be known as the one who lost, the one who gave up. He will leave the 99 sheep and go and find the one and he will recover all that's what David understood when he said go and pursue your enemy for you shall recover all Job lost everything he recovered all doubled over everyone shout out great recovery <laughs> and I'm meditating and I'm listening to the Lord. And he says, it shall be a year of great stories being told. You will hear of divine restorations. <laughs> Did you hear that? You hear what the Lord said? He told us this year, restoration. He said, It'll, you'll hear stories. What's that? Testimonies. People are going to be talking. Divine restorations. In other words, I don't know how it happened. But it did. I know that wasn't me. It was divine. You will hear of revival. And listen to this. You will hear of rebuilding. Truly a year of kingdom manifestation. Come on, if you get a hold of that, can you give your Jesus some praise? Come on, stand to your feet. I'm telling you, family of God, I know, <laughs> I've been there, I know what it is. To be in that, looking in the face of despair, to having grief and Morning coming down on you, but it's divine restoration. To have lost everything. Some people lost entire businesses. Lifetime of wealth wiped out. Investments crashed. Great recovery. <laughs> Don't cry about what's gone. Don't mourn what has happened. Don't think about the what ifs and what could have been. Make a decision today to step up and say, you know what? I am not putting up with this anymore. Today I'm choosing to believe God's word. Today I am ready to receive great recovery. You will hear stories being told. Let it be your story. Take this word, receive it, get ready for it. I am putting a stop to what do they call it? Long COVID? What's it? What's long? No, no, COVID's done. Even if you had it, it's done. You healed, you delivered. It's over. It's time to live again. It's time to run again. It's time to jump again. It's time to walk again. We're stepping over to great recovery 